Termination Line podcast. Episode 1. The Earth from Space. The Earth slowly spins beneath the space station. Situation room. All hands on deck. Red lighting. Everyone stares at the screen, showing an amorphous space cloud heading for Earth. The NASA director gulps before reporting to Madam President. Madam President, it's been confirmed the inertial cloud has knocked Pluto from its orbit. What the hell are we looking at? Ma'am, we're a long way from knowing exactly what it is. I thought you said it wasn't solid. Then how can it move a planet? Ma'am, the closest we can say is it's composed of undischarged static electricity. We have no idea how it's staying together. A tech jumps up. It's sideswiping Jupiter right now! What the... They watch the cloud hit Jupiter tangentially. While the planet itself doesn't move, the red spot is dragged south. And you're sure we're in its path? Directly. It is going to hit us. And the sun? As long as it doesn't change direction, the sun is safe. They watch as the cloud streams towards Earth. Times Square. The crowd watches the cloud's approach on the Jumbotron. Inertia cloud? What does that even mean? It means if the cloud is as dense as the scientist's sphere, it'll stop the Earth's rotation. God, you really will believe anything someone in a lab coat tells you. Situation room. The cloud is hauling us straight for us. How does it move so fast? That's just one of many questions we have, ma'am. Worst case scenario? We're building a control bunker for a worst case scenario plan, but for God's sake, I hope we never have to use it. Times Square. Look! The woman points to the sky where bright sparks fly, nearly making it daylight. The storm extends horizon to horizon. Situation room. Oh no. What? It's really happening. The cloud is slowing our rotation. Won't that fling us out into space? No, ma'am. It's the other way around. Gravity, the Earth's mass, is what holds us to the surface. That won't be affected. Well, what will be affected? Everything. Everything our life depends on will be affected. Earth from Spice. The planet is engulfed by the inertia cloud, slowing the rotation until we're at a standstill. The termination line, between the light and the dark, stops just west of New York. Times Square. The sparkling cloud passes overhead, then is gone. The square descends into darkness. See? It wasn't that bad. Even the moon is fine. We're fine! Um, isn't it, like, way closer? Yes. The moon hangs huge in the sky. Earth from Spice. The time counter at the bottom of the screen speeds up, clocking decades at a time. The center of the bright side of America burns out from the heat, forcing an exodus to the termination line on the former east coast of the U.S., On the starry side, a gazillion lights twinkle, but then an exodus begins to the starry side T-line. At first, we didn't understand the extinction-level event that had just occurred. As centuries pass, even the lights along the T-line die out. As humans have always done, we struggled to survive. Those with lighter skin fled to the starry side, becoming the piles. Darker-skinned populations were able to survive the sun's burn, and became the eclipsed. Civilization clings to the line, divided by skin color, but wanting to survive and surviving are two very different things. As the cast slows to 2500, the human population is nearly wiped out. Only a few lights flicker on the starry side, and even on the bright side, humankind is on its last leg. But that doesn't mean we won't try. The counter stops at 2524, and the view zooms down from Spice to just east of the starry side of the termination line to find five people running for their lives, sprawling ice sheet just east of the termination line. In the moonlight, Avla, like teens with very pale skin, runs slash stumbles 
and the flurry kicked up by the howling winds. It's this way! A bestial, hungry roar comes from behind them. Avla's brother, Crook, mid-twenties, not just pale, but red-eyed albina, Viking type, reaches Avla and shoves her forward. Go! Wait, what? No! Avla, we aren't going to make it! I've got to take on that beast! A well-bundled, pile, light-twenties woman, Merin, steps up. We'll take on the Amarok. No, Together! Didn't. Crook, take the north. I'll take the south. Another roar as Wygong, Asian but also Pyle, and Dr. Wellington Norville, 50s wild-haired scientist, arrive as the warriors leave. You find the damn bunker. It's gotta be close. That thing is closing. Where are Crook and Marin going? To try and stop the Amarok. Stop a Amarok? Stop an Amarok? I thought you just ran from them. Which Wygong is why we have to find the bunker? But without a compass. No kidding. Turning Earth didn't know how easy they had it. Another roar gets the scientists moving. View from Spice. The view moves from the ice sheet across the T-line to the bright side. It's green and lush. A large city, identified as Dusk, rises like an ancient Incan city out of the jungle. The view pushes through the forest, past the high wall, into the bustling city, then settles on a lone figure crouched upon a rooftop, Zephyrin, twenties, her dark skin well cloaked. She springs up, leaping from rooftop to rooftop. Finally, she finds the building she needs. Without rope, she scales the wall to a high window. Zephyrin opens it and climbs in. Secret room, Zephyrin enters to find old tech. She makes a beeline for a complicated mechanism, but when she lifts it, alarms go off. Dark-skinned guards rush in. Zephyrin barely makes it out the window and certainly doesn't have time to climb. Instead, she hurls herself across the gap landing and rolling onto the next rooftop, barely catching herself on a ring spout. The guards give chase, but Zephyrin drops to the street. Her scarf falls away to reveal her face. She quickly replaces the scarf and loses herself in with the crowds. Wind-swept ice sheet. Crook fights the wind, climbing an ice ridge. He ducks down as the Amarok, a mutated giant polar bear, roars, opening its vertical mouth to view row upon rows of teeth. Crook jumps from the tip of the ice ridge, burying his spear into the creature's back. The Amarok bellows, throwing Crook to the ground, moving faster than a beast of that size should be able to. It spins, swiping at Crook. Merim jumps in, stabbing upward with her sword. It knocks her blade away, bellowing its anger. It was a good hit, but this Amarok is a beast. Merim grabs Crook by the fur-lined jacket and pulls him out of the way of the Amarok's paw. They scramble to their feet. I think conventional wisdom is correct. We need to run. Agreed. The two take off. Even injured, the Amarok lopes along behind. Termination Line Podcast, Episode 1, Episode 2, coming soon. Want more information? Want to contribute? Email us at offourmedsmm at gmail.com.